This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glut. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show... Please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. Today on American Glutton, my guest is Dr. Mary Claire Haver. She's a wife, a mom, a physician, and a writer, and she created the Galveston Diet. I want to tell you what, this chick is badass, and she's actually got me thinking about taking some vitamins. Actually, not vitamins. No, not vitamins. Minerals. Supplements. Yep, I said it. Dr. Mary Claire Haver, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. Thanks for having me. So I have a daughter. I have a wife. I have four daughters. I have a granddaughter. Um, I've said that so many times on the show. People are probably like, we know, but you don't know. So I'm telling you. Um, Last night, my wife had some friends over for dinner and it became this big topic of conversation that not one of them are feels that they're prepared for this monumental undertaking this this thing that happens to women called the change of life like what's the change of life this metamorphosis are they going to go into a chrysalis and like dissolve and become butterflies who knows but and none of them feel like they're adequately set up for this so i'm really excited to talk to you I, they're absolutely right. So many people on my social media, my patients, my you know followers, my students in the Galveston diet have expressed to me that, you know, why didn't anyone talk to me about this? Why my mom, you know, not only medical professionals, but society in general, it's this secret shrouded in shame. We somehow lose our value once we go through menopause. And I am here to change that. 
Yeah. Yeah. My wife, she she heard I was talking to you. She was very excited. And she said, you got to tell her this. And it's this complicated thing about like, we talk about equality now, but anything, if we're supposed to be able to do everything, we're doing it through hormones and all this other stuff. And I'm like, you know, I, okay. I don't, you know, I feel terrible, but like, I never think about that. I mean, I do because I see this, this cyclical thing happening where the hormones happen and I recognize like, okay, that's happening. But then when it becomes this other thing yeah. that's like hot flashes and, you know, it, it does seem astounding that it isn't more discussed since half the population is expected to experience it. Right. And right now, looking at population data, a third of the population of people born with ovaries are going through it right now. Like, right. you know, and we're not talking about it enough. Now, I have noticed in popular culture and media, people are talking more about it, more and more newscasters and celebrities are willing to discuss their own menopausal journeys, you know, Naomi Watts, Michelle Obama, et cetera. So I think we're making some strides, but as far as medically where we are, we have a lot of work to do. Yeah. Well, okay. Um, I, you know, I, I don't remember puberty so well, but like, I feel like that's maybe the masculine version of this in, in a, in a very weird way, but like anything that I went through was like a doctor would tell me or my dad or my mom, and they'd be like, that's totally normal. How, how can I, I, I just, let me give you a primer. Let me yeah, give you a primer. Please. I, and, and again, yeah. I don't want to ask stuff like, I'm a dude and I'm interested right. in this and and I want to know, but I don't necessarily know that I know how to even ask all the right. right. So um, so in a nutshell, one of the biggest questions I get asked is when does this happen? OK, so let's let's start with some definitions. We have premenopause which is normal reproductive cycles, whatever that looks like for you. So that is when you're your most fertile, you know, it's between puberty and the beginning of your menopausal journey, which is perimenopause. Okay. And that usually starts, you know, puberty, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, wherever that happened till somewhere in your mid thirties to mid forties, somewhere in there. Um, perimenopause is the beginning of the transition from normal reproductive cycles to no more periods, no more estrogen. Okay. And that transition takes seven to 10 years, we think on average. And, and that transition seven to 10 years. Yes. You don't wake up with your ovaries going to sleep. It is a process. And that process is marked by erratic fluctuations. And what used to be like an EKG, right? Every month, this surges, that surges, and off we go, repeating this every month for a potential pregnancy. In perimenopause, this becomes very, very erratic, sporadic, and every woman's journey is different. And as it turns out, almost every organ system in her body can be affected by this. Okay. So overall, the trend of estrogen, I'm using my hand, so I don't know. Yeah, no, is, it's is trending down. Over time, but it is literally a roller coaster going up and down during the decrease. Okay. And then like... Um, Again, I'm a dude and I lift weights, so I'm constantly bombarded with advertisements for testosterone on oh, social media. Right. Like every other ad is like, you can fix your testosterone. Why is that? And obviously it wouldn't be coming to me, but I've not heard of uh, this going to why is that? Is that being done for girls? 
So our testosterone levels are declining as well. No, uh, I don't mean testosterone. I mean oh, estrogen. Estrogen and progesterone. So, so when we talk about hormones in a woman, um, all of us, men and women, have estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, just different levels depending on which gonads you were born with, right? And um, so we are being bombarded not by so much ads for medical therapy for this, you know, transition and, and what can be done to keep you healthier through this lifestyle. But a lot of predators are out there preying on women's lack of information, lack of access, physicians, lack of knowledge and offering miracle cures for things that, you know, making medical claims like this will cure your hot flashes. This will balance your hormones. This will do things when there's not a single clinical trial that has proven that this will absolutely do what they say. So that's what we're being bombarded with on our end. Not to say that some of these supplements may not be helpful. I take supplements, you know, but to sit here and so they're demonizing and vilifying hormone therapy for women only so that they'll go and buy their products, which I think right. is wrong. Right. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, they, the, you know, I, I, I have a tough time. My mom, my, sorry, my mom, my, my wife likes to take vitamins and I, I don't, and I've had, I've been tested and I don't have any deficiencies. And so I just don't see the, it, it never has made sense to me, but some of these um, supplement companies that do say like, they're going to do X, Y, and Z. I have taken that in my life because there were times where I like wanted X, Y, and Z out of a pill bottle that I could order or go to right. the health food store and get. And I just never got anything from that. You know, um, I, I have had improvements from medicine in my life. I, you mm -hmm. know, antibiotics will kill a, a bacteria or strep throat or something like that. So I've experienced that, but it just seems weird to 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 imagine like oh you just take more vitamin C or some homeopathic right. thing and and so, you'll be fine. You know when I I of course you know did went to medical I, my undergrad is in geology of all things go figure I worked as a geologist for two years for an oil company and then I went to medical school. Long story. So I have this kind of varied background, very sciencey. Did med school the traditional route, you know MD, and then four years of OB/GYN, and then in 2018 I went back to get certified in medical nutrition. And so now I have this background in, in nutrition as well. And so, like you said, we don't recommend super physiologic doses of certain vitamins, minerals, nutrients, because if you have a deficiency, yes, we should replace those things, hopefully through food or supplement if you don't have access to the right things. But, you know, taking mega doses of things doesn't give you a superpower. You know, right. like if you're vitamin C deficient, yes, your immune system will be compromised, but taking extra vitamin C will not make your immune system work any better than it was at baseline, yeah. right? Um, magnesium is kind of an exception to that. Um, super physiological doses of magnesium can be medicinal, meaning medical benefits to that, like SSRI resistant depression, um, sleep, anxiety, uh, ADHD. You know, we have some really good studies that show that mag, you know, certain types of magnesium supplements can be helpful with that. So like, when I'm with patients and doing one-on-one, -on -one, those are the type of things I talk about. But if I'm never going to hold up a bottle and say, everyone should take this, right? right. Yeah. You know, I, I say supplements are really supplementing good nutrition and you really need to look and see, like track what you're eating, track your nutritional profile, check for any deficiencies to see if you really need to be taking this stuff. Right. And, and is it a foregone conclusion that menopause will equal weight gain? That was another thing they're so very worried about. So that is a, thank you for asking. That is a great question. So this data has been scoured, looked at, picked apart, whatever. So we have 
metabolic aging. So we have, you know, aging and we have endocrine aging. So metabolic aging and endocrine aging, right? So just the function of our cells getting older, our mitochondria starting unravel, you know, if you follow our pediatia and, 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 you know, those guys, um, they talk a lot about what happens on a DNA, RNA, cellular level as we get older. Okay. So, and then what happens in endocrine, like, so specific to people born with ovaries to, you know, women is, you know, all of our organs age, but for us, our ovaries are the first organ to show significant aging. So like what happens in the gonads of testicles versus ovaries is very, very, very different. We know that aging, just getting older, is happening to men and women, regardless of your menopausal status, are gaining weight. And we feel like that is more related to, so say you were normal weight, okay? Yeah. Healthy, everything great. Then all of a sudden in your 30s, 40s, you start noticing it's about average, so some more, some less, about a one and a half pound weight gain per year. So you know, multiply that over 10 years. Right. Um, and with zero changes in diet and exercise, you know, now there's a lot of theories behind why that happens. What's happening in endocrine aging for women specifically is we're seeing a dramatic difference in body composition changes. And this is where your audience is going to go, huh? So where and how fat? So we start, we see a new deposition of visceral belly abdominal fat versus subcutaneous fat, all to do with menopausal status. So the, the later a woman goes through menopause, the lower her visceral fat accumulation is based on her age. And it's the visceral fat we know that is linked to metabolic disease, hypertension, diabetes, stroke, inflammation, all of the bad things that decrease your quality of life and increase your risk of chronic disease. And just to be sure, visceral fat is the stuff surrounding our organs. It's your internal organs. Yes. Yes. Okay. So you can't yeah. pinch an inch. It's not under the skin. It doesn't, well, it'll make your abdomen protrude. And so I can't tell you how many of my patients through the years would come to me, you know, for their well woman exams in their thirties, forties, fifties, and just grab their tummies and shake them at me and be like, what is this? You know, I haven't done anything different. I haven't, you know, and, and sadly it had to happen to me before I realized, okay, this is real, you know, and I'm, I'm sad that it took me, but you, you get so wrapped up in your practice, delivering babies, rushing to do surgery. I'm raising kids. My husband's traveling for work. You know, I'm not. And then like all of a sudden my health comes at risk and I'm like, whoa, this is happening to everybody. My girlfriends, my patients, you know, what am I missing here? Because calories in, calories out is not really serving us right now. You know, we're still gaining visceral fat. Right. You know, I. I'm a big fan of neat, non-athletic, active or non-exercise athletic, athletic, active thermogenesis. So this idea that like whatever we're um, whatever we're burning throughout the day, you know, some people are revved up higher. They're going to talk more with their hands. They're going to not have a problem walking upstairs instead of taking the elevator, this and that. But I was um, very obese and I feel like every calculation became about how to conserve energy, like how to move the least, how to be still. Um, Because I would sweat and I would get out of breath if I moved around a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like, is that some part of it that we just start to slow down, that we're just not moving as much? So I I don't think there's a good solution to that. I'm sorry, you know. When you look at the weight gain, 
Yeah. Just the number on the scale going up, not at body composition distribution. Yes. There's the, 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 the forethought people are, we're moving less where women, especially sarcopenia, decreasing muscle mass, that decreases your basal metabolic rate. And you just get into this negative feedback cycle of, you know, you're doing everything the same, but your body's changing. Right. And you're not changing your habits to match what's happening with getting older. And that's where the number on the scale is changing from loss of muscle mass. You know, you're replacing muscle mass with fat, which right. just kind of slows everything down. Right. And so, I mean, it would just suck to be a, a normal weight and then one day wake up and realize, well, I have to go on a diet. I have to trim off 10%. Well, and you know, calories. it's kind of in, for most of us, not, not people who've dealt with obesity their whole life. It's insidious. You know, you're just kind of going about your day. And then one day you're like, oh, you know, I can't, this feels a little tight. You know, it's not, you know, for some it's much more rapid depending on how their hormones are, you know, and, um, you know, COVID kind of threw everybody's stress levels or, you know, we can't negate the effect of cortisol and everything. So, but yes, um, you know, when I counsel patients, when I talk on social media about, you know, I talk about menopause care as a toolbox and you probably have some kind of a toolbox that you, you utilize for your best health. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when we open our toolkit, of course, for me, the first thing I always address is nutrition. Now, in my office, I have a I have a monitor that measures visceral fat, muscle mass. You know, I'm not going off the BMI. I'm looking at what's her muscle mass distribution. Where is it? You know, I can tell. You have if, a DEXA scan in your office? I don't have a DEXA. I have the in body scan. A DEXA. Okay. The DEXA won't fit in my office. You know I know me? they're huge. They're gigantic. And so I, you know, have the next best thing and I got the hospital grade. Wow. So um, in body scan, it was worth the investment to me to be really be able to counsel my patients. So I start there. And then we talk about exercise, both resistance training and cardiovascular training. And I never talk about skinny. Uh, you know, one of my big mantras is we don't move our bodies to be thin. You right. know, skinny is not healthy. We move our bodies to be strong. We want strong minds, strong bones, strong muscles. That is why we do this and it's strong. Awesome. And so cardio is for heart and bones and muscles. You've got to do resistance training. And so like a counsel based on that, then we get into pharmacology. You know, if she's a candidate for hormone replacement therapy, I go through the risks, the benefits, the alternatives, the indications, and then give her counseling around which, which mode of just, you know, getting it into her body and what it might do for her and, and everything. And then we talk about non-hormonal pharmacology and what might be helpful for her. And we also talk about stress reduction and, you know, quality of sleep and all of those things in the toolkit work synergistically together not just for, you know, optimal weight. Most of my patients really don't care what the scale says anymore. They just don't, they don't, they want to move. They want to think. They want to throw grandbabies in the air. They want to climb mountains. They want to age healthily. They don't want to suffer the diseases that their parents did. Right. You know, they're looking at their family history and they're scared. And they realize if they don't make changes, they're heading down the same road. And what can I do to avoid these things? And that's where we start. And and you you also have a, the Galveston diet you I created. <laughs> Tell me about the Galveston diet and, and is the Galveston diet specifically for menopausal gals? So I, so here I was, you know, um, just a regular, just, I mean, I was a very hardworking OBGYN and a large academic institution. I was teaching residents, running a residency program, delivering babies, being a mom, you know, all the hats that we all wear and um, got kind of knocked over the side of the head with my own menopausal journey and how miserable I was and the symptoms and, and the body distribution changes and the weight gain and everything. So my desire to, to learn more about nutrition and how it could be helpful to me and my patients began there. 
And so I went down the rabbit hole, talked to the PhD nutrition professors at the university I was employed at. They gave me a bunch of stuff. And I just started reading everything I can get my hands on about inflammation and aging and menopause and realized, you know, no one really taught me this stuff. I'm going to have to, you know, I'm not doing the research. I'm reading other really smart people's PhD research. So I don't want to make, make you seem like I'm in a lab, not I'm a clinical person. So I'm kind of, you know, making these correlations and I'm like coming up with this little plan in my head. And I write it all down. And so I start doing it to myself. And then I start sharing it with my patients, my girlfriends in town. And then I went on social media and that's where it kind of exploded. And so then I needed a name. You know, in medicine, a diet is a pattern of eating. It is not a quick weight loss program. It is not, you know, it's not, are you on a diet? It is, what is your diet? And so, but if I could go back and do anything different, I never would have named it a diet because I've gotten so much backlash uh, from the toxic diet culture, you know, and which I totally understand. And, you know, other physicians turning their nose up, you know, you're selling diets on the internet. And, and, and so it really was just an eating plan for my patients. Yeah. But look, diet, the Galveston diet. In your, in your defense, I I think that's unfair because words have multiple definitions and I know that language evolves and language is rapidly evolving now, but diet in the dictionary still has two distinct definitions. And one of them has nothing to do with restriction. So people should get over it. You know, like calories, such a bad word and scary word. It just, it's a unit to measure energy. energy. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, I mean, like, you know, I understand. I look at a scale and I feel a feeling and then I have to talk myself through it. So maybe people should talk themselves through the diet, but in fairness, it did conjure the idea in my head because I'm always interested in every diet. I want to know all about them. And I'm like, is there anything there for me? You know, but if it's specifically right. eating plan for for gals who are going through this specific thing, you know. So I created it with uh, me in mind, with my patients in mind, with my age group, with with what was going on, realizing there was just a, a void there of information and what began on social media and then gave it a name. And then got some savvy business advice. You should probably copyright this and someone's going to take it from you because you're sharing it on social media and all these things. And then then the online program was born. Then the publisher came to me and asked me to write a book. And here we are today with the Galveston Diet book. But it really is a story of menopause. You know, what for me online began, began as a conversation about menopause and nutrition exploded. I have 2 million followers on TikTok. I have 200,000 on Instagram. I have 250,000 on Facebook. You know, like, and of people just desperate for information, dying to tell their stories, looking for validation, wanting to feeling normalized, you know, and the book is more about our lives in menopause, how we can use nutrition and lifestyle changes to improve our quality of life and our health. You know, I talk about breaking sugar addictions. I talk about, you know, how to diagnose yourself if you're in perimenopause. I talk about other, you know, not, not just sex hormones, you know, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. I talk about leptin, ghrelin, you know, PPY. I talk about GLP-1, you know, <laughs> before it exploded <laughs> um, with the agonist. And so, um, and it, it just, the feedback from, so it's for everyone, I guess, long, long answer to a short question. I, I wrote it specifically for my patients and it just turns out it's just good, solid, basic advice that anyone absolutely could follow. So it's, so it is specific. It was created for this idea of menopause, but that, that shouldn't preclude me from looking right. at Right. You know, and I talk about, it. you know, nutritional patterns that have been shown to decrease hot flashes or, you know, women suffer less from X, Y, and Z if they have diets rich in, you know, A, B, and C. So 
it, it, those are the kind of things that I cover as far as nutrition goes. And, and for this, like I started dieting quote, I mean, I I was put on diets as a kid, but I, I, I think about that in a different way because it was very much authoritatively being done to me versus Mm -hmm. something where I was more closer to an adult and going like, I'd like to lose weight. And so the diets I was on. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. were always these short-term things with a goal in mind. Right. When you're talking about this, you it really is like a lifestyle change, right? It, it, you're that, talking about, yeah. Is um, rethinking how we think, you know, my whole generation, so I'm 54, was calories in, calories out. Very little talk about quality of nutrition, fiber, magnesium, omegas, you know, uh, and and how that could contribute to your health and that the only way to measure your health really was your thinness and, you know, trying to break those cycles, change that mentality, you know, hold people's hands through this, realize that you can be healthy at multiple sizes and that your BMI does not define you, does not define, it's a very poor measurement of your health. So- yeah. The, the BMI is so tricky. I, um, I am, I believe, I thought I was, I thought I was overweight on the BMI and I, and I have, uh, I think right now I'm 16% body fat on a DEXA scan, which is pretty damn good. That's Um, amazing. And I'm also obese. I'm not overweight. Right. So, (laughs) so that, and my doctor was just like, it's okay. You got a lot of lean tissue. I have 232 pounds of lean tissue. I, you know. Yeah. So these, these, these words, I have, I have empathy and I, I, I'm slightly conflicted about the whole, the whole trend right now, simply because if we're talking about 10 pounds, I agree. I don't, I've never once looked at somebody who was quote unquote 10 or, you know, 10 pounds overweight and thought like that guy's health would surely improve if he lost weight. And I understand that that is occurring but as we trend more and more obese in this right. country, it does become hard because, uh, y- y- you know, and again, like I'm happy for everybody to be at whatever shape and size they want. But, I, you know, it becomes tricky because we can't I don't think uh, telling people that being morbidly obese is a 
is okay. I, I don't know. It becomes very odd to how to frame it in my head, even, you know. I, I, I hope that as we move forward with this and, you know, we live in an obesogenic society, no one can deny that the rates of obesity are increasing and people's health is, is going to suffer because of it. And, you know, that more physicians get educated about the, you know, the disease of obesity and all of the, the toolbox, you know, that needs to be available to treat. And, you know, so many of us in medicine, and I have to admit, I was probably biased when through medical school and training in my first several years of that whole mentality of you're just lazy, just got to work a little harder, you know, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, really it's me sitting down and talking to obesity specialist has really taught me the fallacy and so much of what I was taught, you know, when I was younger and, you know, that the 20 pounds that I gained in menopause probably were, were cosmetically distressing. Okay. Yeah. And I probably didn't affect my health all that much actually right now, because I have that monitor and it yells at me that I don't have enough muscle mass and I'm so focused on gaining more muscle. I weigh a weight now that would have sent me into oblivion in my thirties. Right. And I've never been healthier. Right. Yeah. So in that sense, I think the, the metric of weight is irrelevant because you're you're clearly healthier now being at this heavier weight. Um, and, I, and I completely agree. The um, the aesthetic of thin, you know, when you look at like the, the type of fashion models that you and I grew up with, which I'm actually glad we're trending more towards, quote unquote, normal people, um, right. because that to me is is like. First of all, it's more aesthetically attractive to me, but then also it, it just seems like, God, you're giving a whole generation of people this urge to starve themselves. That's not great. You know, and 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 then you have girls who are who are scared to lift weights because they don't want to bulk up or they don't want to put on size. When what you're talking about, you're not talking about being some female bodybuilder. You're talking about putting on like what, a couple pounds a year of lean tissue. I would, um, yeah, I mean, our, our, my, my, the in body, you know, once every, it kind of focuses you on the hundredth, on the, on the top of the normal curve, you know, and that may not be everyone's healthy, but for me, it's telling me I still need to gain 10 more pounds of muscle, which I'm trying. It's It's hard. It's a lot of work. Yeah. I've actually stopped trying to gain muscle because it just, it, it, I, I felt like I had plenty. I'm I'm okay. And, and, and it's, and it's, it became like, oh, it's hours of work more per day to actually try to gain muscle, but people can hold on to the muscle they have and very slowly build some. And, and that's, you know, not going to happen from three times a week doing some resistance training. One of the things that I guide my patients through who are dealing with, you know, a weight issue and they're coming to me for help with that, you know, nutritional advice, et cetera, is, you know, we are monitoring their muscle mass. And, you know, one of the biggest mantras I have is we cannot sacrifice your muscle to get to a number on the scale. So we're going to watch that. So we're talking about protein intake. You know, I have all the formulas based on height, weight, lean mass, you know, thank God I have that monitor. And, uh, you know, recommending amounts of protein per day and the amount of resistance training right? Uh, so that they can at least hang on to this muscle while we work on, you know, decreasing their visceral fat. And are those, uh, are those formulas in your book? Like if somebody reads your book, will they be able to generally figure that out? 
So no, I, I don't have that monitor. So no, I, but like if they could, if they could eyeball or make a a close to ballpark guess on their lean tissue based on their body fat, or yes, even with so calipers, we do talk about protein needs based on lean body mass and give a little formula. So they could they could eyeball it. Yeah. Yeah. And then do you do you pr- prescribe or get into the amounts of resistance training that's ideal for gals? I don't. I, you know, I don't feel like I'm qualified to do that. I'm, I don't have any training in, in as a personal trainer. If I had more time, that would be my next big goal is to do that. But I just there's so many people who are so great at that and people who are actually, you know, I'm partnering with who are my age. You know, we share things on social media, you know, women who are doing it really well and have beautiful muscle mass and are so healthy. And so, you know, I'm, I, I'm actually doing one with a lady in, from the UK uh, who's going to talk about, you know, resistance training and stuff. But I mean, and again, for our age, I mean, for women our age, the, I don't know if you're my age or not, but- um, I'm far off. Okay. So, you know, we, we never, right? You know, it was aerobics. We were just, yeah. we were working out to be thin. No other reason. Jane yeah. Fonda, jazzercise, that kind of thing. Oh, Yeah. I was jumping up on the box, you know, steps, step <laughs> right. Yeah. It, okay. Not to reduce you to a single thing. And again, I, I, I love what you're saying. And, and, and I really appreciate that it is all basically individual based because I, I agree. Like I, when I look at um, any of the, the mainstream trendy diets, not in the sense of the word that you're using diet, but the other, the restrictive form where, where it is targeting, targeting weight loss. Um, I'm always dismayed at the idea that anybody should do this, this single thing, right? Because I just don't, I just don't think one thing is going to work for everybody. And I think if it did, we would see a massive change from it. And we haven't seen that from any of these diets. Not one of them have produced enough results to go. That's the one. This is the one. Right. Right. But is there something that, could I also believe that um, making a big radical change overnight is difficult. I think that it takes uh, a lot of time and effort to change habits and stuff like that. So is there is there a place you would recommend a gal to, to begin? Right. So, yes, um, I have this thing called the Fab Four Challenge, and it's it's on our website under our blogs. And it's a really simple exercise that anybody can do, male, female, you know, Um if you're struggling, struggling with your weight, struggling with your health, and you're wondering, you know, am I, how is my nutrition? How do I look? I'm like, go online and just download a free nutrition tracker, you know, and my favorite is chronometer, C-R-O-N-O-M-E-T-E-R. This is the one, my, so my daughter who just actually today got accepted to medical school. Congratulations. Celebrating in her house. Yeah. Um, Her undergraduate degree in May, she'll be graduating is in nutrition science. Originally, she was going to become a registered dietitian. Then halfway through, she decided to go to med school. So here we are. So she said, mom, you know, in class, we use this tracker. Like this is the one they recommend. And that I immediately switched to that one because that's what registered dietitians use. And it's a, it's a nutrition database. It's not, it wasn't developed for keto or calorie counting. You can do all that on there, but it really has a really clean, high quality database. And they're very protective of what's in there as far as nutrients. And so like download a tracker and just track your nutrition. Don't worry about calories or keto or macros or anything like that. And look at four nutrients, look at fiber, look at omega-3 fatty acids, look at magnesium and you know, look at calcium, just kind of pick four things. And 
see how you're doing, how close you're getting just to the recommended daily amount. How are you falling short? Are you hitting your goals? Because most people who follow the standard American diet are going to fall very short of their goals, um, of the just standard recommended goals, you know, and then the next part of the experiment is just utilize food to get you up to just the basic minimum dose. And tell me how you feel in two weeks. Tell me what scale does. Tell me how your pants are fitting. Tell me, you know, and that video went viral on TikTok and millions and millions of views. And I have millions and millions of comments. We have a blog. We have food lists now that you can do all this stuff. But it is such a simple, easy exercise. And it blows people's minds, you know, to think about nutrition this way. Am I hitting these basic nutritional goals with food? And they're like, can I take a supplement? I'm like, you can take your supplements, but don't count them. See if you're just going to use food. Can you find enough nutrition in your food to meet those basic goals? Wow. Those are uh, fiber. I, 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 I force myself to eat some vegetables. I don't like vegetables. They're not my favorite thing. And also because I don't eat very high fat. So like if you cover a vegetable in butter, I like it or olive oil. I like it, but I don't do that. So it's almost difficult for me to eat vegetables, but I never track how much fiber I'm getting. I just yeah. eat a few sprigs of broccoli at every meal or something like that. But I, w- I actually want to track these things. These are these are fascinating. The only one I'm I'm personally not super interested in at all for myself is calcium. Yeah. And that's but, fine. You yeah. know, like just do the other three and yeah. just see. And so. For men, you know, for the fiber, it's different for men and women. So for women, it's a minimum of 25 grams, but for men, it's like 32 to 38 per day and like finding food. So if you're not a big veggie fan, like I get a lot, I eat an avocado a day. That's my, and I love them. Thank God. And I, that's going to make sure I'm going to get really close to my fiber goal. I also eat a lot of seeds and there's fiber and avocados. I didn't even know that. So full of fiber. It's like packed. It's like 12 grams, I think. In a, wow. in a avocado. So, um, and I eat a lot of, you know, walnuts. I eat a lot of salmon. I eat a lot of fatty fish and that helps me hit my omega goals. And, um, most people on the standard American diet only are getting half of the amount of fiber that they should be getting per day. And so here's what I tell my menopausal ladies or perimenopausal, wherever you are in your menopause, 35 plus, you know, look, Women who get adequate amounts of fiber in their diet have less visceral fat, less hot flashes. Let, and I'm not talking about supplement though. I do supplement fiber. I try to, I have some colon cancer in my family. So I'm supplementing to 35, but I'm getting 25 through food. What you know? do you use for a supplement? Psyllium husk? Um, what do you So like? I, you know, I'm very picky. I made my own. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I wanted something with a mix of soluble and insoluble fiber. They both have important jobs in the gut. You know, soluble feeds the gut microbiome and, Insoluble is what bulks up our stool and pulls the water in and helps keep things moving. And so I also didn't want one that was just psyllium husk. So mine has like amaranth and quinoa and, you know, so make sure that, you know, whatever fiber supplement that you take, you know, has at least a mix of soluble and insoluble fiber. So Metamucil is going to do that. If if that's your jam, then do it. Just some of the supplements will have a lot of additives to make them more palatable. Fiber is disgusting if, you know, to take you've ever done it. And so like mine has some orange flavor, natural orange flavor, a little bit of stevia in my fruit just to make you so you can actually, it's what I'm drinking in here. And, um, and I dilute it a lot. <laughs> okay. Where do I find it? What's the website? Galveston I want diet.com. Yeah, okay, good. Thank you. 
Um, and so I do, I also supplement with some vitamin D and, uh, omegas. And so about 80% of my patients are vitamin D deficient and women, when they've done the studies, 40% of Americans are vitamin D deficient overall. But as we go through perimenopause and menopause, that number approaches 75%, you know, vitamin D is one of the most important hormones in our body. It has so many jobs and so many of us are deficient. And it can affect your hair, your skin, your teeth, your brain, your bones, your you know heart, how everything processes. So that is one of the things I kind of pound on, and it's a routine lab that I check in my patients. And and uh, okay, fiber is okay to supplement. And what about? And you said you you supplement also with omegas. Did you create your own or just I any did. fish? I did. Okay, okay, good. So like another thing that I supplement for myself is magnesium althurinate. And so that is not one that I sell or made. I have a brand that I prefer. Um, it's called Neuromag or Magteen. And so this particular formulation of magnesium is the one that is considered to cross the blood brain barrier the best. Um, others will cross, but not at such a bioactive, you know, it's not as bioavailable to the brain as eltheronic. And so when you look at the studies done on SSRI resistant depression or anxiety or ADHD in kids, this is the formulation they tend to use. So I use it to help me with sleep. So it's something I take in the evening and it really seems to improve my sleep. I heard a guy talking about this and and I have taken something my wife likes called uh CalMag, which it's like a powder and it's calcium and magnesium and it's uh -huh. supposed to, but, but I was a drug addict. And so I've taken lots of pills in my life that I feel like knock me out and this didn't knock me out. And so I was like, this is bullshit, but maybe it's not the right magnesium. Yeah. There's several formulations, like some magnesium, like mag oxide tends to stay in the gut. It's really used to our mag citrate in, um, to help, you know, with diarrhea or induce diarrhea for like a colonoscopy, you're taking a ton of mag. Um, and there's others that don't affect the gut go great into the bloodstream. So it's great for raising magnesium levels if you're deficient, but, um, doesn't really cross into the brain very well. So everyone's like, what's the best mag? I'm like, what are you treating? Right. You know, treating a deficiency or are you treating GI issue? You know, it, it just depends. And if we're treating specifically sleep and depression, you like magnesium theranate oh, therinate. or threonate? Threonate. It's dash theranate. Yeah. Okay. And that, the formulation you like is where? So my preferred one is from Life Extensions and it's um, called Neuromag, uh, okay. but there's other brands out there. Okay. Um, but that's just kind of what I, and I don't partner with them. I make no money from them. And that's the one I prefer. I don't know why, but I, you've got me thinking about supplements right now, but, and I know you would prefer it all come from diet, right? Yeah. So, so one of the, you know, things, the first things I learned in nutrition studies was you can't out supplement poor nutritional choices. So you can't right. like, you know, get a big handful of stuff, take it down and then eat donuts all day and expect you're not negating a poor choice. You are supplementing a good nutritious, you know, good nutritional choices that are going to serve you. Yeah. So, you know, you can't, and, and there are people who are allergic, don't have a preference. They hate fish. They, you know, like, like there are reasons we need to supplement people's diets and, um, but never in place of, oh, well, if I just take this, then I don't need to eat my green leafy vegetables or search out foods high in fiber. Yeah. And, and so the first step is to try and get all those things from fiber and yeah, just, just and see what you're just, what you're, you know, just put in what you're eating. Just don't make any changes. Eat your normal, you know, weekly, whatever. We tend to eat the same things. Right. I do. And, um, and then just see kind of where you are and be like, Whoa, I'm 
getting any vitamin C, huh? I need to yeah. up my fruit. And so it's just this really kind of fun experiment. Now, if it triggers you, tracking triggers you, this is not your thing, you know, but people have loved this exercise and it's just so eye-opening to them. And they Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market really found that it was helpful in understanding nutrition better and also that they were seeing some health benefits as well. Yeah, I think that we're very uh, and, and not that at any point in history where anybody was eating stuff knowing like, well, I need a certain amount of omega threes today. So I've got to eat fish instead of eggs or something. But eggs are omega six, I think uh, what, they have some. Well, some are like you, the, it, the, it depends on how they're raised. The right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I, I'm a fan for uh, obese folks who are starting any journey to journal or track their food without even without even um, necessarily trying to make any changes just to get a sense of like how much energy am I taking in, whether whether you wind up counting calories or not. And I only say that because as a person who tried to avoid even knowing that, like, because I refused for a long time to accept that, you know, I thought if I'm on the blood type diet, I can eat whatever I want as long as it matches my blood type. If I'm on keto, I can eat as, you know, 5,000 calories a day doesn't matter as long I could drink olive oil and I'll still lose weight because I'm not eating carbs. That's all bullshit at the end of the day, right? And so if you're putting in too much, you're going to gain weight. So this idea of like tracking, because I don't count calories today, but I did for a while and it was eye opening to go like, oh, my God, I ate 3000 calories today, though they were healthy. I'm not really going to lose a lot of weight eating that way. Yeah. And, you know, one of the we we don't encourage counting calories, um, but I do like like get a baseline, like you said, like. Where are you at? It can be really eye-opening. I've had what well, we were doing when I was working in labor and delivery, 
we had a little thing, all the nurses and I were, were all, you know, tracking that week together. And one lady walked by and she's like, I mean, like a truck driver. I had no idea. You right. know? <laughs> yeah. It's just, and, and to, and like, to your point, I've never once tracked fiber. I, I know I need it. So I try to eat some, I've never tracked my omega threes. I've never tracked calcium or magnesium. I, on the DEXA scan, it shows you how the density of your bones. And that is something that they've always been astonished with me by, especially because I was obese, which they see a lot of weakened bones in obese people. So uh, calcium is something, I mean, if you have a great reason why I should track it, I will, but I know my wife has to get, yeah, because there's the potential for osteoporosis. Right. So but magnesium and omega threes and fiber, this is something I'm super interested in tracking because I suspect I'm deficient in all of them. It's, it's, it's eye-opening. It's a fun exercise. Yeah. yeah. So chronometer is my favorite, but like my fitness pal can do it. You you may have to toggle the, it's not what it was developed to do, but um, it has really been fun. You know, thousands of people have done it. We've had little challenges around it on our social media. And if you go to my blog at galvestondiet.com, it's called the Fab Four Challenge. And we walk you through the steps. We, you know, give you food lists that are rich in these things. You know, if you're like, what do I eat? I don't know. You know, so, and it can just be a really easy, fun exercise without using the word diet. I know you can get calcium from food, but do you get magnesium from food or is that something you really need to supplement? You do. You absolutely can get magnesium from food. Yeah. Pumpkin seeds, a lot of leafy green vegetables. It's, it's abundant in a lot of foods and I have extensive lists. Yeah. I'm I'm like a big pumpkin seed girl because I know I'm getting my magnesium. Amazing. I had no idea. My wife was eating, they call them pepitos, but I believe those are pumpkin (laughs) seeds. That's amazing. I said, maybe she knew that. Um, Man, this is awesome. I feel like I, I feel like those four steps are a great direction to put my wife in and, and her friends, you know, because I, I really was feeling hopeless because my solution is always eat more protein, do some resistance training. And she's like, you don't even know what the fuck I want to do. Why are you telling me that? And I'm like, because I think it'll help you, you know, and she's like, no, I want to feel better. So um, our website in our blogs, we have so much information about around women's health and nutrition and what, you know, nutrients can do to shore up different parts of our, you know, sex hormones and and whatnot. And, um, you know, outside of women, you know, you don't have to be menopausal to be healthy or to understand the Galveston diet or what it's all about. So, yeah, that's amazing. Doctor, thank you so much. I really appreciated this. And now for the Q&A. Today's question for you is from Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Aaron says, hey, mate, started dropping some weight, but also losing muscle mass. What would you suggest to maintain muscle mass, but decrease body fat? Thank you, heaps. Good question, Aaron. Um, and the mate really gives it away, right? It does. And I wanted to emphasize it. (laughs) I mean, not entirely. They could be British or Australian or Kiwis. Ah, good point. Right. There's no, nobody else says mate, do they? Not really. Definitely not. But Canadians don't say mate. I don't think so. All right. Um, This, this is a relatively standard issue with losing weight quickly. I don't know how Aaron is what by what metric Aaron is gauging the lean tissue loss or if it's just like weakness, which could just come from being um, in an energy deficit. 
or just uh, if if what they're looking at and they're 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 looking at themselves going like I appear to have less muscle mass but if you if you are losing weight rapidly you are more than likely also losing some percentage of m- muscle also um I did uh, some tests on myself with this when I was doing like super low calorie stuff, like 600 calories a day for 30 days. And I would do a DEXA scan and 40% of the weight I was losing was lean tissue or muscle, which is a lot, you know, like if, if for, it was like, I think I lost um, 30 pounds and like 12 or 13 pounds of that was muscle, which is really not, not what I wanted at all. When I think of weight loss and the idea of, I want to lose weight. The only thing I want to lose is fat. Um, you can purge water from your system and see an effect on the scale. You can lose fat and muscle, or you can try to really, hyper focus on strictly fat loss and really from everything I've read and my own experience, the only way to do that is to lose the weight very, very slowly. So like if you're morbidly obese, couple pounds a week, couple few pounds a week, if you've got under a hundred pounds to lose one to two pounds a week is the most you want to lose, but then you're losing strictly fat. Um, so, so that's my advice to anybody who wants to maintain muscle mass is to just do it slowly. Right. Awesome. Thank you for that. And Aaron, let us know how it goes. If anyone else has a question that they would like Ethan to answer, you can email it to us at americanglutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee. You can follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely.